0: And, uh,
1: yeah, hi! Hi!
0: Good to see you again, it's been a while.
1: It's good to see you, I know, it's been a long time. It's like date night.
0: It is, like, get ready. yeah. How was that?
1: That was great!
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, welcome to Something to Drink About. My name is Alex Van Amberg, and I am a certified sommelier with the Court of Master Sommelier.
1: And I am Christy Collins, mom of three boys, yoga teacher, and a former L.A. actress, certified by the Society of the National Commercial. Really? Yeah, isn't that good? That's
0: awesome, but it, it lacks conviction. For a failed actress from L.A., I expect more passion. I said I'm,
1: former, not failed. Oh,
0: my apologies. So from, for an actress from L.A., I expect more. Can you do that again, but this time with, like, you know, pause? No, because I have and, to
1: read it while I'm saying it because oh, I so <laughs> my lines.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, so this is a podcast about wine. And there are a lot of podcasts about wine. Uh, so many podcasts about wine, and most of them are oh, they incredibly are... boring.
1: Oh. okay. Well, I was going to say that. I'm glad you said that, but sorry, people out there in podcast land, you give a lot of good information. Well, However, I fall asleep.
0: That's it. the thing is that a lot of these podcasts out there, a lot of the wine informational podcasts out there, are are they seem to be designed for people who want uh, a lot of technical information. And and I personally, I mean, I'm a certified som. I have I spend a lot of time doing this, but I don't care about soil pHs. Um, Really? And I, you know, for the most part, because it doesn't serve any purpose. Most of the information people dump out there is, it seems to be more of a a humble brag about how much they know, rather than trying to give good, convey good, useful information that people can take with them.
1: it's a little too technical. Yeah. And it's a little, I don't care about the dirt. Although, the way you tell a story about dirt, I do like. Because, remember that bone dirt story? At some point, you're going to have to tell that bone dirt story. That bone dry Earthy, cold dirt where the wolves were running through the three buildings. The in the place. Th- okay. No, it's that old town with the wooden and the wind Is this swept this from the wood, school of Shatnerian actor,
0: acting? What? Is this Shatner acting?
1: <laughs> Shatner acting. <laughs> God. That's so embarrassing.
0: <laughs> well, so the entire point. Of- <laughs> The entire point of this podcast is that we want to make wine accessible, and so by having someone who knows very little about wine, you, and or having someone who knows nothing. a modest amount of wine, me, mm-hmm. we hope to actually reach out to people and actually just make it fun again, because wine should be fun. It shouldn't be frightening. So it's a porpoise,
1: or a purpose. Tell okay. I did Or a point. whale. <laughs> <laughs> you totally have me derailed now. Yes, <laughs> I'm all in the ocean. Are you now. all at sea now? I am. I'm. I'm <laughs> I'm thinking about this story that I just heard on another podcast about a woman who you swam. You listen to other
0: podcasts. I do.
1: This woman. I had no idea you were seeing other okay.
0: podcasts behind my back.
1: I am. I'm sorry. This is hole. let time me tell you about out. this story. It's so interesting. Is it relevant? Or this- is it a rabbit hole? It is so relevant. This okay. woman was swimming in the water with a baby dolphin because the dolphin had gotten s- not not a baby dolphin, a baby whale. Because <laughs> A killer whale. Because the baby killer whale had been separated from its mom. And she swam with this guy for five Ordinal. hours. That's a
0: long time to be in the water.
1: It's, it was a really long time. She was getting really tired, but the whale was, like, they bonded. Hmm. Yeah. And so
0: how is this relevant again?
1: Because you said porpoise. And that's where my mind went. And that's what this podcast is about. It's about me and my stories. And edit. It's interesting. <laughs> Somebody's going to go, this is about a bottle of wine. Mm -hmm. Clearly it's red. You can't see that, but it's red. Okay. And then I'm going to go off on tangents. Okay. Anyway, go.
0: So anyway. Get me back on track. Let's talk about what's in your glass. Let's start with that. It's red. Good job. It's
1: very, very dark. And we talked about that little line. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have much of a line.
0: The meniscus.
1: Oh my God. I hate that word. Okay. Yes. The meniscus. Uh Uh-huh. I don't like that word. Okay, it's like moist.
0: The moist meniscus. Oh, <laughs> it's very visceral the way it hits you. Um, so okay, so well, you're right. It, it, it's the line, the coloration of the wine. It's very dark from the center moving out towards the edge, okay. and the color Shush. doesn't change much.
1: More purple than red.
0: Mm-hmm. And you're right, more purple than red. This isn't. It's actually very dark. It's it's very yeah. very purple, very very almost black purple. And I'm not seeing. I mean, if you if you hold it sideways and you look at it, I'm not seeing a lot of like that blue black. Though. it's it's got a lot it's more carmen more purple Carmen red Carmen 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 san diego carmine carmine it's a type of red it is yeah
1: uh yeah so it's dark it's grapey purple like deep dark grape purple okay.
0: well and then uh, let's move on to to smell what is um what is esther telling you today
1: I love esther can I just say you can okay So first of all, I was going to go off on a tangent about what Esther was wearing with this purple, but I'm not because this is so yummy. I don't even know what I'm smelling, but it is really good. Wow. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, This is where I get lost because I feel really awkward. It smells so good and I don't have any words for it. And then I feel like, well, we've done four podcasts. I should know by now.
0: No, you're not supposed to know. Matter of fact, he's keeping you in the state of, of glorious ignorance is actually probably better for the sake of this podcast.
1: Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> thank God. But
0: I mean, use whatever words you want. That's the thing. That's the freedom of this is that you can use whatever words you want because something in here is triggering a positive okay. association. So what it feels- is?
1: It's a smooth smell. Okay. Um. It. I get the alcohol, but it's not a big hit of alcohol. It's mm-hmm. a really. Um. It feels like a deep, smooth smell. Okay, is that
0: <laughs> no? That's totally fair. I mean, honestly, because you don't have words when it comes to smell. Smell is oh, it's something that eludes us as far as putting vocabulary words with it. We don't have a lot, and I always find that very exciting. And why smell is so to use the word visceral again, it hits you right in the gut. Yes, and I love that about smell. That's why I love wine. Is you can and why I oftentimes will sometimes I'll get a glass of wine and I will spend most of my time smelling it and very little time drinking it because the smells are so exciting and so evocative.
1: There is that little place right before you go to sleep where you're so comfortable in bed, and you know you're about to go to sleep, and your body's totally relaxed, and that's what this smells like.
0: Awesome. Can I throw some words at you and see if they stick? Okay. Does it smell brambly at all? Does it smell... It smells to me... you remember the blackberry bushes where we lived on Vashon?
1: Yes. How many did I cut down? Do you remember that they How had that little bit of... How often did they grow back?
0: That It, it has that that um, that slightly green, slightly wet, slightly dusty... Um, you know, slightly dirty, uh, smell with the vegetal and yet berry sweet.
1: Well, uh, I can tell you what it smelled like because I used to cut them down and I would get ripped open by them. Mm-hmm. So yes, it smells, they almost have a sweet smell, but they also do smell dirty and, um, and a little bit moldy. Well, because it's
0: not overly sweet. The wine isn't coming no. across with lots of fruit notes. It isn't coming across no. really sweet. It isn't coming across really dirty either. It's not a lot of dirt. And it's also coming, it's not coming across really vegetal. There's, there's all sorts of things that you can say it's not. But when you, when you eliminate That's those. That's so
1: true because I usually say, oh, it tastes like jam or it tastes like blackberries. But none of that, I'm not getting any of mm-hmm. that. Which is, it feels like the first red wine I've ever smelled that I don't smell a blackberry. But I do, I do get that, um... That kind of clipping the brambles in the in the rain, pulling the dirt out with them. That smell, that's what I get.
0: hmm Well, let's go with that. Alright, so, okay. so, so now we've we've smelled the wine, we've looked at the wine. Let's move on to, to <laughs> tasting the wine and All see right. what we get there. So and I, I won't slurk.
1: Please. Cause that just not good. Alright. You're doing it. Oh my <laughs> god, you're trying to do it quietly. I can't even take Are you okay? Can't Are you joking? <laughs> I'm trying not to slurk, and it's really hard. Oh, it's so it, gross. You turn around and wave for me. It is uh, the most unattractive thing. Wow. So, men out there, if you're dating, don't slurk.
0: Yeah, wait until the inf- second date.
1: No. You can wait start until sl- you're married. You can start
0: slurking when she starts farting.
1: <laughs> that's that's when you can start slurking. Oh, come slurking on. I never do that. <laughs> right. Right. Never. Never. Of course. Wow, this is... um.
0: Describe the experience okay. you're having with this wine.
1: All right, hold on, I gotta try it again. Well, it's kind of the same as it smells. It's really deep. It's really pleasant. It's really warm and smooth, and yet it's got a it's got, it's zingy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I
0: don't know how... No, it's great. Okay, this is actually there's a lot going on on the palate with this one, whereas the nose is very understated. The palate it's really lively.
1: It's a lot stronger than the smell, except mm-hmm. it has that... It still has the smoothness.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and the fla- the flavors all run right in through each other. I can feel it in my chest. Like, I can feel heat from it. I can feel... It. So, to me, this wine has probably a decent amount of alcohol, which is odd, because normally if it has a decent amount of alcohol, you can usually smell it. Mm-hmm. You can usually feel it on the nose. And I wasn't getting that at all. Yeah, no. But I can feel it. I felt it like a little afterburn mm-hmm. when, I, when I first sipped it. And then... and Now I'm tasting blackberry. Now I'm tasting... Oh.
1: I'm gonna warm it up. Okay. I'm gonna put my hands around the wine.
0: Absolutely. Well, black and blue fruits. I think maybe you know there's there's fruits on the on the back of the mouth now.
1: I'm getting that like okay. I am getting fruit. I'm getting real grape. Mm-hmm. Like I'm getting a really deep, good grape that's been like is not a juicy grape. Mm-hmm. It's not a moldy grape, but it's not juicy. Does that make sense? It's like dehydrated, but not a raisin. Okay. Okay.
0: Well, dehydrated and not a raisin. That's that's almost like um, slightly cooked, slightly, you know. That's that's too. No,
1: it's like stewed. Mm-hmm. Stewed like, is good. I think of plums when you stew them, and it has that. It tastes a little plummy. Right, that's what it tastes. Plummy. That's yes. good. This is almost a savory. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's almost
0: in in a way. It's almost medicinal too. You know, there's there's a medicinal quality to it. There is. Which is interesting, and and I'll tell you why the medicinal quality is there in just a it moment. It is the, strong. It is, yeah,
1: but good. It's like a good medicine.
0: Well, <laughs> okay. isn't it? is, is its it for
1: you? Do you like it?
0: Yeah, no, I love it. I think it's great. I love this wine. Um, I love these. I love these winemakers. I love this wine. I love this wine growing area. I think it's all awesome. Possible. Awesome. Okay. So, um, so the great reveal is this wine is Molly Duker, uh, their 2016 The Boxer Shiraz. So, this is an Australian wine. It comes out of McLaren Vale in South Australia. And this is, it's a, I mean, look at the label. You
1: can almost tell it's Australian by the name Molly Duker.
0: Yeah, well, Molly Duker it's is. It's the
1: cutest language in Australia. It's like, like cartoon left-handed. language.
0: Okay, let's They hope. use
1: lots of fun, like.
0: Do you have any, are you going to, is there anybody that's going to be, I'm sorry, Australia. <laughs>
1: Okay. <laughs> Let me say
0: say right now. This is the, the 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 opinions reflected in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the person producing this podcast.
1: <laughs> I one of my best friends is Australian. Okay, great. And she just has.
0: Would she, you tell her her language is it's adorable or cute or whatever like that? To well, her face? I, I would. You're gonna. I now. have. You just did. I know. <laughs> So Hi, Lucy. <laughs> so Molly Duker is, is an Australian term for a left-handed, left-handed boxer. And, and so if you look on the label, it's actually a picture of a boxer with two left-handed gloves on. Um, it's, it's
1: like a, the old Mickey Mouse cartoon. Yeah, very pictures.
0: cartoony label. Yeah. And Molly See? Duker is the name of the winery, and that's what they do. It was It was started in 2005, I think, okay. by a couple, by the last name Marquis. His name is Sparky. Which is why I remember. See? Yeah, Sparky All these cute
1: names. Great names. From uh, Australia. Well, Sorry, Australia. You just have a cute language. One of their, their best-known wines
0: is actually Blue-Eyed Boy. That I mean, is it.
1: a compliment, by the way. Okay, it's It's fun, cute, yeah. happy. Adorable. Kicky.
0: Yeah. No, the
1: language is great. So, first of all, I want to know about this couple. I want to know how they set up their... their um, I want to know who they are.
0: Okay, well, honestly, I wish I could tell you. I don't okay. know a lot about them. I know that they are winemakers. They come out of the McLaren Vale. So, McLaren Vale uh, has been growing grapes for 120 years, probably. It's 50% Shiraz that's grown there.
1: Okay. Shiraz is the same as? Syrah. Okay. And why did they call it Shiraz? Because it's cute.
0: Another great story? Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'll keep it short and brief, but essentially, uh, in the early 1800s, one gentleman went to Australia on the six-month journey from England to Australia in 1820 or so. He wrote a a treaty on how Australia could become the wine-growing capital of the British Empire. Oh. Because Britain had been importing all these wines. So why shouldn't Australia, with all these green lush coasts, become the place where you're going to grow grape and make wine? So he had this plan. And the plan, the treaty he wrote, was so well-received that they brought him back... To England and sent him on a, on a tour where he went around Europe and collected vine clippings from all over, particularly France, with things that he thought would work well in Australia. When he went to the Rhone Valley, where Syrah is really, really frequently grown, okay. this was at a time when they hadn't The really Rhone
1: Valley is in France.
0: Is in France. Okay. And there was a place there um, called Hermitage, or Hermitage, and there's a church that was, or a little hut that was built out of stone by a returning crusader, and the myth is that this crusader, when he returned from the Holy Wars in Jerusalem and Persia, brought with him these vines, and he planted these vines around Hermitage in the Rhone Valley in France. Those vines at the time were called Shiraz because theoretically the city in Persia where they came from was also known as Shiraz. So when this guy from Australia, or was going to Australia, he took the clippings, he called them Shiraz because that was the most correct of the time to what to call them. So he took the name and the vine clippings down to Australia where they throve, thrived. Thrived. And so the name continued to change in France (laughs) until the 1950s or so when we finally settled on calling it Syrah. But it stayed Shiraz in Australia.
1: Because they're cool. They're unique.
0: They are unique. They're not going to be told what to do.
1: I know. I love that.
0: So Australia is an awesome place. I mean, really, the, the size of the country is the size of the continental U.S., but the population is the population of California.
1: And can I tell you about my friend who's from Australia?
0: Golly, yes.
1: Okay. So there's several people from Australia that I just love. And I think part of it is a cultural thing. She, I'm a little bit of a pleaser. We work together a little bit. I'm a little bit of a pleaser. And she'll go, okay, I can see that she doesn't really agree. And she'll process it. And then she'll call me back a day later. And she's like, yeah, we're not doing that for them. Right? <laughs> and she's so sweet about it.
0: Well, the thing about Australia that strikes me as being similar to what I grew up with, I grew up in Alaska, which has a small population for a large amount of land. And when you have a smaller population in a larger area, Mm -hmm. you grow up taking care of your neighbor because there's no one else to do it. And so I get the impression that Australia faces adversity and deals with taking care of their neighbor in kind of the same way because they're very isolated. There may be 20 million people there, but that's a lot of land for 20 million people. Now, granted, they all tend to live coastally, but... This is a country that's that's had its roots about the same time that America had its roots. I mean, Captain Cook was exploring Australia and establishing Australia as part of the the English uh, Empire at the time uh, that America was throwing off the uh, the, the British yoke. Okay, um, and having I like rebellion. that
1: throwing off the British yoke. <laughs> I throw off the British yoke. To this day.
0: It's a polite way to say it. So, for 200 years, they've been establishing themselves as a unique entity, uh, and so has America in the same way. So, we're all New World colonies in our own way. Mm-hmm. But they are, um, the land there is very unique in a lot of ways because the central Australia, first of all, the seasons are reversed from the US. So, they're harvesting in the middle of our winter. Oh, weird. That's when things are getting ripe.
1: Okay.
0: Australia seems very fertile when you approach it from the coast because all the coasts are very fertile and green, but the moment you cross over the ranges to the interior, there's land there that hasn't been disturbed in 60 million years. Really? Yeah, it's unique because it's a desert in the middle there. Uh, It's amazing uh, how diverse it is. So uh, archaeologically, geologically, it's one of the best places in the world to discover things. Because Australia has never suffered from change or shifted uh, the same way that other continents have. Mm -hmm. It's just basically stayed the same. But what that means for wine is that where they grow grapes, the soil is very unique. It creates very unique flavors. They have plants there that are unique to the world. Uh, eucalyptus is one of the things that is a uh. major hallmark of Australian wines because
1: I didn't know is in the wine. I know it's in essential oils, mm-hmm. and I love it. And it's the one thing that I always want to put out there in a hot yoga class because you mm-hmm. know it's smelly.
0: Well, now taste the wine again, okay, and tell me about that medicinal quality.
1: Totally eucalyptus. okay. I totally get it, <laughs> and I smell that. Essential oil so often, right? But it's not. That's what I said earlier. It's not a gross, yeah. medicinal smell. It is so good, and you just want to breathe it in. Yeah, and you want to put it out there, with like so you don't get a cold or so you you know for good sleep. Or... But it
0: feels like that medicinal eucalyptus smell and yes. taste. And what happens is that there are different theories about this. Call it terroir, a sense of place, if you must. But uh, there's also a theory that like bees, when they cross-pollinate, are dragging mm-hmm. flavors from place to place, and it gets into the grape somehow. Okay, but that's a- cool. Australia is known for little this.
1: Little cute bee butts. Did you see that little bee thing on Facebook where the the woman was friends with the bee for, like, <laughs> why is your jaw dropping? She was friends with a bee. The bee couldn't fly, and so she fed the bee, and she, like, carried the bee around, and they became friends, and they lived for, like, three weeks. Anyway, it was really cute. It had a big, fat bee butt. No. Okay, (laughs) just saying. Okay, carry on. No,
0: it's an adorable adorable story.
1: Yes, I know.
0: So, (laughs) fair enough. So, um, Molly Duker makes their wines all in the McLaren Vale of Australia, and what makes the McLaren Vale fun and unique to the world is that the soil types are all very different, but they're all geologically aged. They're all very old and very unique to the world. So... But one thing they all have in common, despite the different types of soils that are in this area, in this valley, is that all of them drain quickly. So they drain water quickly. So you Mm. can control how much moisture your vines are getting, which allows you a lot more control over your final grape.
1: Okay, so if it drains faster, then you have more control because the moisture doesn't sit in there like it would in, like, say, the Pacific Northwest.
0: Right. Okay. Or in Bordeaux. Oh, okay. So a lot of times if you want more control over how you're raising your grapes, you want more you want more quickly draining soil. So it's one of those things that, that the, the harder a grapevine struggles, the better the fruit will be. So the less moisture there is in the soil and the less nutrients there are in the soil, the stronger your grapes will be because the, the grapevine just desperately wants to propagate. And so it'll put all its energy into creating berries.
1: Ooh, yeah. I feel that pain.
0: Do you feel that pain? Well,
1: I did. More about- wine. 13, 14 years ago.
0: <laughs> Boy, and that, that pain has changed. <laughs> That's a whole different pain now. So Molly Duker, this is called the Boxer. It's based um, on uh, 100% Shiraz uh, coming out of the McLaren Vale. This actually is 16% alcohol by volume. This is a very high alcohol wine, mm-hmm. which is surprising because you don't smell it on the nose. And you generally don't get it on the initial palate. You only get it afterwards. So,
1: But I'm not even, like, I haven't had a lot of it. Right? I've had several sips, but mm-hmm. red wine can often make me feel flushed, and I don't even feel that. It just feels smooth and yummy and good.
0: It's really well-balanced. They did a mm-hmm. great job with this. One of the unique things about most of the wines coming out of Australia as well, they very rarely use corks. They're some of the biggest proponents of using the Stelvin closure or the screw cap. So even really high-end wines, that you're going to pay quite a bit for Okay,
1: but I have to ask you about the Stelvin. I've never heard that word before. The screw cap. Um, when I was a bartender... And I would open a bottle of wine that had a screw cap. They were like, oh, cheap wine. It's Mm -hmm. just like this immediate association with a cheap wine. And that's not actually the... Is it the case?
0: It's a cheaper closure. This tastes
1: like a really expensive wine.
0: This one, I, I honestly don't know what people pay for it. I think it costs, before it even hits the retail market, at least $30. Oh, so it's expensive. In a relative sense, yes. But I mean... Australia is renowned for producing inexpensive wines. They're also renowned for producing an eight hundred dollar bottle of wine called the Penfolds Grange, which really put them on the world market. And that's a whole other story. That's a great name. Yeah, it's a okay. terrific story. But the so they, I mean so they sell wines that are eight hundred dollars, and then there's Yellowtail, which is five dollars. Okay. So somewhere in between that.
1: I like Yellowtail. I remember drinking
0: that. It they put Australia on the map. Oh okay. So okay so long story short quick, quick, quick I can quick.
1: even see the. Yeah.
0: Brilliant marketing. Brilliant. Yeah. But what it did... Red is it...
1: and yellow, right? Label.
0: White and yellow.
1: Yeah. That's what I meant. White right? and
0: <laughs> <laughs> I could totally see it.
1: Yeah, I could see it. I
0: could feel this label <laughs> in the dark. Well, um, what Australia did... Uh, originally, so when Australia started making wines, they were making them with Syrah, Shiraz. Uh... And fortified wines were the rage in the 1800s when they first started making wine. So all of their wines. Nobody
1: knows what fortified wines is.
0: Bear with me and I'll tell you. Oh, okay. So like port. They're wines that, that they fermented them to a certain point and they stopped them by adding grape alcohol to them. So they were sweet and potent. Oh. And that was the style of wine that they had it was port wine. That was what they made. They called them stickies. Which is a great word. See? Name.
1: It's yeah. another cute word. It's a great word. I'm so, telling you, it's another cute word.
0: So they called their wine stickies. And so one guy.
1: Okay, hold on. Yeah. Slow down.
0: Okay, so Max Schubert.
1: Thank you. Worked for
0: Penfolds.
1: <laughs> he gets really excited when he's passionate <laughs> about something. And yes, you'd think it was me. I know. Because I'm fabulous. But really, it's wine.
0: Okay, go. It's Esther. I'm sorry. I've been seeing Esther behind your back. <laughs>
1: So, Esther's a babe, though.
0: Esther's, Esther comes in many guises. Esther so, is a back to 40s penfolds, babe. Okay. 30s. Pin up. So, penfolds. No, she was
1: like born in the 30s. It's a 30s name. You know, 20s, 30s. And then she hit maturation in the 40s. Pin curls. Pin up. You can see her. Dark hair, fair skin. Huh. Hmm. Okay. Anyway, Easy. go ahead. So, Max Schubert. <laughs>
0: So uh, Penfolds was one of the big producers of wine in Australia in the 1800s. And they, uh, in the 1900s, they still one of the big producers. But at one point, uh, Max Schubert, who was an assistant winemaker, went to Bordeaux and studied wine in France. And when he came back, he had developed a passion for making dry red wines, which they didn't do in Australia. And he thought that he could do, with Australian grapes, what the French did with Cabernet. Oh, so he made a Shiraz That was dry. A dry red table wine Mm -hmm. instead of a sticky. The board of people who ran Penfolds came to him and said, cut that out. Don't make it anymore. (gasps) No No one's going to want to drink a dry port. You're insane.
1: They put him down for being creative and innovative. They
0: shut him down. Well, he's also expensive. So so they shut down his his experimentation, but he didn't listen. He kept on making it in the cellar and didn't tell anyone. And suddenly Penfolds Grange... This dry red wine started showing up at wine competitions. And wine comp- competitions are important in Australia in a way that they are important nowhere else. Okay. Um, and so I think this is 1940s, 1950s. Um, this is post-World War II now that these are being produced. When when Esther's Prime. The competitions, Penfold Grange is winning these competitions. And people, uh, the board is like, what the hell? <laughs> and they go to Max and they say, can you start making this wine again? And he's like, actually, I kind of never stopped. And then instead of punishing him, they promoted him. Oh. And so he became the, the, the director of the whole new oniology department, the wine department, of making the dry red wines. And Penfolds now goes for $800 a wow. bottle for that Penfolds Grange for a single bottle for this wow. stuff. It, it's one of the few wines that like Robert Parker Wine Review ever gave 99 points to or 100 wow. points to. Highly scored wine. And that set the stage for dry wines in Australia that they started trying to live up to because they had this reputation Pause. for...
1: This would be a dry wine. This
0: is a dry wine. Correct.
1: Okay. Because I do feel that... What did you say the other day where it, like, breaks down your saliva and it makes... Tannins. It's a little dry... Yeah. ...feeling. But Uh it's good.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. It's a well-balanced wine. It's not too dry. No. It's not sucking moisture out of my mouth. Exactly. Well. So... (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So... (laughs) <laughs> so Penfolds set the stage in a way for dry wines that Australia had never had before. People eventually were starting to move towards that, but it wasn't until wines like Yellowtail in the 90s, late 90s, early aughts.
1: No, that was the early aughts. Early
0: aughts. Okay, well. Because we were together. Thank you, fact checkers here. Um, yes. so But what they did is they created wines like Smoking Loon, like... Uh, I remember Smoking, smoking Loon Smoking Loon Yellowtail These were wines That were inexpensively produced That were exported To the international market That were very affordable But also very sweet They were jam bombs They were jam bombs With alcohol And they oh. were cheap And they made well,
1: I didn't think They were jam bombs I thought they were really good
0: They converted the world To drinking Australian wines though okay. So they did their job Right You know they, it,
1: Like Charles Smith
0: in a way like Charles Smith, absolutely. Okay. So they, they created a the whole market. Unfortunately, what they did is they also told the world that Australia only made sweet jam bombs. Is how people are now identified wines. Instead of making stickies, now they think it's sweet cheap. <laughs> so it's sweet cheap wine. So now Australia is struggling with this new thing. But they're struggling from a much better position because now they're exporting billions of dollars of wine a year. Right. Um, and the world is, is looking at them because there are winemakers in Australia that are incredible incredibly gifted. Uh, Molly Duker's in there. John Duvall makes some amazing wines. Tasmania, another wine growing region, does sharp champagne, sorry, sparkling wines. So just so much diversity coming out of all these different growing areas. So much to look forward to coming out of Australia. Very exciting.
1: Very exciting. We have to go visit.
0: Uh yeah. <laughs> so, um, a lot of fun uh, uh, with this wine. Very enjoyable. It's available in most bottle shops or available online order. I mean, get into the Molly Duker line. They're all worth it, in my mind.
1: So I just want to be clear that it just feels like they're a country of really unique people and really out-of-the-box thinking and maybe honoring more of the individual artistic sensibility than maybe...
0: I have absolutely no idea. I've never been there. I
1: haven't either. So I'm embarrassed because I am now making them into my dream. (laughs) (laughs) They're my dream country because I love Lucy.
0: We'll have to add that to the vision. I love
1: Lucy! (laughs) (laughs) alright I'm done Lucy you've
0: converted Christy to a whole new country Uh, (laughs) you're not allowed to take her without me so very much ladies and gentlemen thank you very much today's wine was Molly Duker's The Boxer 2016 100% Shiraz Uh, this has been something to drink about with
1: Christy Collins
0: and Alex Van Amberg thank you very much clink ready
1: yeah ooh that was so good yeah bigger glasses better things.